When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, folks. Welcome back to another episode of Generation Red, the kettle corn of Husker Fan Podcast, where we try to be sweet, but at times we get salty. I am your host, Ken. And I am your mustacheless other host, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we're here tonight, folks, to recap that crazy, wild, weird, and really sloppy game against Northwestern yesterday, as well as take some time to preview Purdue. And to help us do both of those things, we've got a returning guest. I think you're one of the few who have been here more than twice, Dustin, and that I'm not sure if that speaks well to us or to you, but uh, here he is, the burger, what, peanut butter burger aficionado, the uh, Big Ten Media Days infiltrator extraordinaire, Mr. Dustin Schutte. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Any, any, anything associated with food and football, I'll, uh, I'll gladly take that badge of honor. So it's good to talk with you guys again. How have you been? I uh, can't complain. As you can see, I've upgraded the place that I sit and do the show. So that helps. <laughs> Great. <laughs> that certainly helps. And, uh, and yeah. And Nebraska's has, have, it has a winning season right now, which is the first time since 2016 that we've had a winning season. So, you know what, Scott? That's great. I'm glad you brought that up because there was a post, a tweet I saw. I almost grabbed it to put it on a slide. There's a tweet I saw from one of the guys that played in the 90s and won a couple national championships. He said, I wish Nebraska fans would quit bitching and moaning about the fact that we won ugly. Guess what? We've been losing ugly for years. Close losses. Losses that kind of look good, but they're not because they're losses. He says, take the W. W's are hard to come by. We've been spoiled for far too long. And I'm like, yep, I'm absolutely in his corner. I'll take the ugly loss any day. I'll take a quarterback that completes 80 for 85 yards but doesn't really put us in too much danger because that defense is so good so um my goodness <laughs> what a day yesterday was uh before we before we get that there's just a couple of tidbits related to yesterday uh number one the black shirts were just plain dynamite even though when all is said and done the overall stats per, or northwestern actually outgained nebraska by two yards <laughs> in the game um eight sacks by the black shirts one sack was by a scout team player that they activated this year who's a freshman and uh rule said he's really really hard to block in practice well clearly you have, you have our offensive line i'm not sure if that's a, <laughs> a great reflection on james williams or not but uh say he's hard to block so he got in there he got a sack uh there was 13 tackles for a loss and we held at northwestern as usual to very low rushing yardage, 81 yards rushing. So uh, I'm sure 80 of that, <laughs> they might've been more like 160 because I think it was like 80 yards and sacks. <laughs> so um, anyway, that's kind of kind of how the Blackshirts played yesterday. Did you watch the game at all, Dustin, or were you busy 
I was no, I was I was glued into it. I had all two games going, all well except for the night because it was Michigan. Michigan State was the lone night game, and that was a, a dud. But yeah, I was glued in, and it was uh, you know what I I sent this tweet out too uh, probably after those two thirty three thirty kickoffs was you know what it wasn't the prettiest football, but Big Ten football this weekend was really uh, no matter what game you watched really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just crazy. Any thoughts, Scott? I just, I just thought it was exactly what I was going to see. Um, but it's always interesting to see how it actually plays out in real time. Um, our defense played better than I expected, and our ability to bounce back from the mistakes that we made, the early bugaboos in the mm-hmm. first quarter that we had, um, for well, first half really with what did we have? Five turnovers that mm-hmm. we had in the first half we lost three of them we yeah we dropped we dropped the ball five times we lost three of them okay yeah. throughout the game two interceptions and i think a fumble so and yeah. so i guess my 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 primary takeaway from the game was that was a game that we would normally lose and mm-hmm. we didn't which is exactly it. what rule said at the end of the game in the post game presser mm-hmm. we so would have lost game, this game the beginning of the year this is a game we would have lost is how mm-hmm. he put it very, very succinctly. <laughs> but the other thing that was interesting, I was actually just sitting there doing a little bit of a psychological analysis of myself <laughs> while I was watching the game. And I was starting to realize that, like, I couldn't tell if I'd just grown totally 100% apathetic mm-hmm. or I'm just at a point where I'm just, I've, I've, I've trained <laughs> myself to be a casual observer because yep. there wasn't a single moment in that game where I was afraid we were going to lose, mm-hmm. but there wasn't a single moment in that game where I felt like we were going to win. Um, right. I was just genuinely curious to see how it all played out. And mm-hmm. for two weeks in a row now, I've had that feeling. And for two weeks in a row, I've walked away uh, feeling like a winner, which is such a such a weird place to be that I haven't been in a very, very long time. Um, yep. So that was just my that was my overall impression of the game was I didn't care. (laughs) Um, And when it was all said and done, I was very, very proud of our guys. Um, They did everything they needed to do. And at the end of the day, we got a win against a team that we usually get in rock fights with. Yep. Yeah. It was a good game. It was a good game. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yes, it was. Well, Got another slide here to take a look at before we actually cover the game. Uh, one that you posted up there, shoot, Shooty. Thank you for that. Uh, Nebraska football is undefeated in Smocktober. Uh, do you get it? Do you guys get it? Um, yes, we do. <laughs> I, I don't know what to you say. You know, I got to. Yeah, go ahead. I, I just got I was going to say, I just got to get dad jokes in whenever I can. And there's actually this individual is. But there's actually a Twitter account. This is what popped into my I, into my head is there's like a Matt Rule Smock Twitter account that will yes. occasionally pop up in my feed. And so when I saw that, it kind of registered like, hey, October Smock. And that's where my mind goes is immediately like making bad dad jokes. <laughs> and so that's up. And I was looking for something like, you know, the, the, the arm nudge to the individual. Like, it's not that funny, but it's kind of funny when it's nine o'clock or or yeah. whatever time I posted at nine o'clock on Saturday night, and maybe you've had a, a beer or two or a bourbon or two. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. That was cool. 
<laughs> it made me laugh. So that's why I grabbed it. Cause I actually laughed. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I figured. And that's why we get along so well. Just Dustin is because uh, dad jokes are like my love language. So right along with snarkasm. <laughs> so, I like it. I like it. And then after the game, everybody, I think I know I rushed home. I had YouTube TV going on my phone, watching the volleyball match, which was one for the ages. Uh, I don't think other than maybe the national championship game from a couple of years ago, I've seen such a great five set match between Wisconsin and Nebraska. But, you know, only thing more badass than that, though, was uh, John grabbing that hat from a fan and throwing it on his noggins. So, but when you beat the number one team in the country and you're hanging out with a bunch of students, hey, throw down, put that hat on, be a part of the bros. I think it's pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool. It was a fun crowd to just look and see. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just got to be such a, it's, it's such a fun time to be a Husker fan in the volleyball sense of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, for the last 20 years, it's just been nonstop dominance. And yep. oh, man, last night was, was it, I, I didn't get to watch all of it. I actually just watched the last little bit of it. And then today I watched highlights and my goodness, it's, it's such an exhilarating and, and adrenaline pumping sport in all reality. So, um, and the, yeah. the athleticism that was on display. I mean, I think I saw somebody post, uh, one of the Husker beat writers posted something to the effect of um, Nebraska is the more athletic of the two teams, but the sheer power of Wisconsin, they're they're struggling to deal with in uh, sets two and three. Um, would they have 12 blocks in the second set and like seven blocks in the, in the third set? They were just, you know, roofing every time we went up to spike the ball. So, uh, and then they figured it out. They figured out how to play a little bit of small ball. And when there was openings, they put it to the floor. And, and then you win the match on a net violation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, what a way, uh, what a way to cap it off. I mean, that's some freaking nuts of steel to go. Yeah, I'm going to use my very last green card because I think that chick's hair was in the net, <laughs> you know, or whatever. So <laughs> any thoughts on it, Dustin? Did you watch, you watched the volleyball, didn't you? I saw you comment on it. I did. It was uh, incredibly. It was incredibly exciting. Um, I mean, it just to see the like. It was really cool to see everybody. You know, basically Memorial Stadium was a sellout, and then just what an hour and a half, two hours later, you shift over um, to see the volleyball game sold out. And I mean, it was just a great weekend for you guys, right? To go two and zero to get a to knock off the <laughs> top ranked team to get a win against Northwestern against. Um, but that that volleyball match was. Insane. And the funny part was, and I saw people put this out on Twitter too, because I had the exact same thought after he made that challenge. And I don't know who the woman was, an official or the scorekeeper or what she was, but you could see her eyes get really wide when the official made the call right. um, and to announce that Nebraska had won. But everybody had, well, I was like, am I the only one that noticed that? And like, you know, three minutes later, everybody took a picture and, and said, you know, this is when we knew we had won the match. And I thought that was, that was really funny and a really cool moment, but that was I mean, everything about yesterday. If you're a Nebraska fan, it was uh, it was a good day. What what a day! I don't know if it gets any. I don't know if it gets any better than that, right? It was a good day. I mean, I could have done without the sixty some odd year old lady sitting in the stadium in the row behind me. I could have done without all the flirting. Uh, but I guess that's what I get for 
messing up a bunch of ligaments in my finger and I can't get my wedding ring on anymore. So <laughs> I need to go buy a silicone one as the wife has so succinctly suggested several times, but I'm prideful. I want this swelling to go down so I can wear my real one, but oh, well, let's move on. Uh, let's take a look at the actual game. Shall we? There it Indeed. is. Oh no, we've got a video, video viewer poll first. Golly, I should know my own slides by now. That's the poll that's going right now, folks. It ends at 2 p.m. So you've got about 15 minutes to go out to our to that particular Twitter account and vote mm. on who you think will score the first touchdown versus Purdue. <laughs> if we score any, half the way that offense looked. <laughs> but uh there you go. So Game seven recap. Northwestern was in town yesterday, 17 to nine. At one point, it was 17 to six. And I saw somebody tweet out, gee, I wonder if Rule's going to call an onside kick. And I had a little bit of PTSD for a moment there. I'm like, no, please don't. (laughs) (laughs) You know, use that defense to put your boot on their throat. Don't try an onside kick thinking you're going to. Oh, anyway. So 17 to nine. There's the stats. Don't know if you can see them real clearly. There we go. Like I said, they beat us by nine total yards of offense. Um, 12 first downs to 14 for Nebraska. Two turnovers, actually, for Nebraska. Those were both interceptions. We did put three fumbles on the ground, but recovered all three. They had one. So we were minus one in the turnover margin, which seems to be our lot in life. I don't know if that's going to change for a while. Uh, But they did beat us by a little over a minute in possession time. So. Um, I mean, all in all, it was just kind of a crap performance by the offense, but man, that defense was just balling out, absolutely balling out. Every time I turned around, there was, I think I saw Lenhardt in the backfield. He only had three tackles on the day, but I think he was in the backfield harassing the quarterback at least seven times. That number 11, true freshman. Uh, mm-hmm. Unbelievable. He's going to be a great player if he doesn't end up hitting the portal and going somewhere that wants to pay him more. <laughs> Yeah, when I look at these, when I look at these stats, I mean, it this is exactly what the game felt like. It felt like Nebraska couldn't do anything in their passing game. It mm-hmm. felt like while we were getting stuff going on the run, I mean, generally speaking, we were getting stuffed. And so we have a 4.2 yard per rush average, but that's kind of uh, obscured by the fact that it was either feast or famine in a running game. Um the the thing that I loved the most about this game was how not penalized Nebraska was. It felt mm-hmm. like we were on the other side of that for once where, where Northwestern were making all the big mental mistakes yep. uh, in the penalty area that is. Um, and so <laughs> that felt, that felt really good. Um, and I mean, just look at, look at Northwestern's productivity. I mean, our defense did way more than I expected them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like this was going to be one of those games where we can potentially see our defense falter and crack because that was the... Going into this game, my biggest critique of the defense was the dink and dunk crap that they've been letting go on all year long. The bend don't break um, mm-hmm. mentality. And I don't mind a bend don't break, but my goodness... You gotta at least not let them get to the red zone with that. Um, in this game, they they sh- they showed up. The biggest the biggest thing that I thought was a Tony White. What we're gonna see in a Tony White defense here on out was 
the last four plays of the game were just all out blitzes. Mm-hmm. There was no there was no prevent defense. There was no mm-hmm. conservative play calling. No, you're gonna have to earn this. If you want to win this game, you're gonna have to earn it from us. Um and that goes that coincides with my last observation of the game, which was that our guys looked like they weren't gonna lose. They didn't they didn't mm-hmm. they didn't have this I don't know. I mean, obviously they're wearing helmets and you can't really tell what the players are thinking, but there was always this, this manifestation of a losing mentality that you could just pick up on Mm -hmm. and uh, through our squads in the past, in the past few weeks, I haven't seen that. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing is they didn't give up our defense did exactly what I wanted them to do to prove themselves to me. Cause up to this point, I'd been very, very skeptical of our defense and I still will probably remain skeptical of our defense, but this game really proved to me that this is, this is a defense that has a high ceiling. Yep. I'll admit that they have a high ceiling. Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. Dustin, you have any thoughts on, on the stats there? Is anything jump out at you? I mean, I think what did they finish with? Thirteen tackles for loss to go along with the the eight sacks that you talked about earlier. Um, I don't know if there was anything statistically that kind of stood out to me, um, but I, I I think watching that game up pretty well earlier. It was one of those games where in previous years it kind of felt like because of the turnovers, um, because maybe you didn't get a break here or there, it might be something where. How, how are we going to fumble this one away? And instead right. of that being the case, like I, I think Matt Rule talks about playing complimentary football, and I don't think that's just what you get on the. This has a mentality of it's like that mentality. You don't even if the offense is going to make a mistake, we feel like if we're the defense, we're going to go out and be able to make a play and put ourselves in a good position. Their special teams has improved quite a bit, and I think the the funny thing that stood out to me about the last two games I've watched, if you go back to the Illinois game. And then the Northwestern. Everybody in Nebraska, and I know this now after covering it for so long, everybody wants you to run the damn ball, right? Mm-hmm. And potentially two game-changing plays were in the Illinois game when they got that goal line stop and Heinrich Harburg, I don't know who made the play, but threw a deep pass to really get the first drive going for Nebraska. And, that, and then what did they do? They hit Malachi Coleman for a deep pass for a touchdown. Uh, in the second half against Northwestern. And so I think it shows that, that you know, this is a team that's going to do what it takes when they're not going to play overly conservative. Like they're going to play conservative because I think that's their strength, but they are going to take some chances. They It's a weak basis. They're playing more to win the game and not to not lose. Yes, and sir. I think that winning those, winning those games against Illinois and Northwestern, those are the types of games you have to win to take gradual steps to becoming a getting the program back to where it wants to be. So I think that more than any of the statistics, more than anything else, those are the, those are some of my, from this game against Northwestern, but you go back a couple of weeks to the Illinois game too. Mm-hmm. I, I look at these stats and it, it strikes me as very reminiscent of close losses that Nebraska has had the last few years where they beat the other team in time of possession by a few minutes. They have more first downs. They have, you know, ultimately a few more yards, but they just made the crucial mistakes at the wrong time or the other team hit a big play on them and scored, you know, something like that. So instead, Nebraska was on the positive side of that ledger. And I think that speaks to 
we all hate the C word, right? The culture that's changing. Um, and I think it is, I think, I think, you know, rule, like we said earlier, rule said it in the lock, uh, said it in this post game, uh, in, in, in early September, this is a game that we probably lose. Yeah. But he said that the teams flipped, they flipped a switch that Sunday night practice after Michigan, they flipped a switch. It seems to be different. Um, Certainly enjoyable. I, I did have, I mean, this is basically just going to pile on top of everything that we've said. But yeah, I'd say that my, my biggest takeaway from the stats is if I were to look at this as a casual onlooker, not watching the game, I, in in Christmas past, I look at this game, I'm like, yeah, Nebraska lost that game. <laughs> yeah. Like, just look at the stat. You think Nebraska won that game with <laughs> yeah. those stat lines? Yeah. No, no, they're even. Even means Nebraska loses. Generally, like, yeah. If it's a coin flip, that coin has a piece of lead tape on the other side of it, and it's going to land on the other side every time. Yep. Um, so it's it's just it's 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 nice. I'm gonna I'm never gonna take. I don't think I'm ever gonna take a win, <laughs> a win for, granted, for granted again. <laughs> ever again. Um, well, yeah. There's your individual performances, the leaders of the game. Um, of course, as you can tell, I'm grabbing screenshots from ESPN because it's easy that way. <laughs> so it's right there. Uh, Brandon Sullivan, uh, 12 of 2376 yards and an interception, no touchdowns. Tyus Hill had six carries for 63 yards. I think he got the bulk of that on one damn carry that somebody just missed a gap. Um, and then Kurtz had three receptions for 96 yards. Uh, Nebraska. 8 of 17 for 85 yards of TD and two interceptions is not a great day for Heinrich Harburg. I'll have a slide talking about that later in three tweeted the some of the people that are screaming and crying about Harburg not being the guy and that we want to go back to Sims. Um, and then Emmett Johnson was the starter, surprisingly. Uh, Anthony Grant came in in that third spot. He dropped two spots down on the depth chart over the last two weeks, but he saw some significant time in the game, which was good. Uh, Fleeks looked like he could be a game-breaker as well. He's got some quickness, but uh, Emma Johnson, 12 carries, 73 yards, and Malachi Coleman, one reception, 44 yards for a touchdown, which speaks to Scott's bold prediction from last week, which we'll get here in just a little bit. Any thoughts on those on those uh, stats? We'll start with you, Dustin. So something you're going to talk about later because you mentioned it. So I don't want to step on your toes too much here, but I think um, again, I don't necessarily look at the stat line as much as I, I think when you looked at Twitter after a couple, you know, a botched snap, a, a missed handoff interceptions, mm-hmm. a lot of people were calling for Heinrich Harvard to be pulled out of that game and thing that, and I don't know that the previous regime did this at all, but I, I think it's very important important that when you have your guy or somebody you think can win it's it's important to stay with that guy and I don't I I think that Scott Frost did that too with Adrian Martinez you you don't usually pull that guy you want to have him allow him to be confident and I think it's just mindset where even though you're struggling I I never feel like he takes the previous play with him whether it's good bad or indifferent I feel like it's every play is its own individual you know, not to sound too PJ Flecky here, because I know that nobody's going to like that, but each play is like its own season, right? It's its 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 own standalone thing. And I feel like that they do have that. I know that sometimes it can be frustrating. It can be ugly. But I think that Matt Rule is trying to instill a lot of confidence in these guys. And the fact that uh, Heinrich can go out there, 
you know, make a mistake here and there and not have the fear of getting yanked, I think is a really, uh, I think that's a really good thing as frustrating as it might sometimes. I think that's really important to keep him on the field. If you think he's going to be the guy. Any thoughts, Scott? No, I completely, I completely agree with that. I mean, you can't, you can't expect somebody to go in there with a, with a, no matter what happens, I'm going to do my best when they have that lingering fear that as soon as they make a mistake, they're going to get sat on the bench. Um, I think quarterbacks generally are always going to get a lot more grace because they do everything. A running back, carry the damn ball. Mm -hmm. If you drop the ball, that's your only job. Like, hold on to the ball. Um, Wide receiver. If they make mistakes, if it's if it's it's a 50-50 jump ball and you give up halfway in the air and the defender comes down with it, you're not gonna get that, you're not gonna get that opportunity again for a while because we can't have people in a game that play like that. I think quarterback is always gonna get a little bit more time to make mistakes simply because they are your offense. They are your entire identity as an offense, and you don't want to just haphazardly throw that kind of uh that kind of player in and out of a game just right. because they make one mistake here or there. Quarterbacks are gonna make mistakes. I mean, I think I I do I think that Harburg well are we are we gonna talk about Harburg later? We will. We will? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll save that. That's all. <laughs> we will it might it might relate to the slide that I've got up uh for the three tweeted segment later later. So and there's some specific uh, information about quarterback that was brought up by a former player who would probably know a little something about uh, why or why not you pull a quarterback in and out of a game. Uh, anyway, so there's your leaders, and those were the stats from the game. Our players of the game, um, Scott, you picked the guys on the offense. I'll just go over the guys for Northwestern. I picked Brandon Sullivan simply because he doubled up <laughs> Hardberg on his passing yards. Uh, but even so, Nebraska's pass defense was pretty dang salty the other day. I mean, they did held, hold him to just over 50%. And other than a couple of big pass plays, that would have been well under that number. So, And then Xander Mueller, the guy that you had for a player to watch last week, Scott, was everywhere. He was. Nine tackles, six of them by himself, but he didn't get any sacks. He didn't get any tackles for loss, but he made the tackles when they came near him. So, he was filling in and space. And then your guys, the, you, the guys you picked there, Scott, for, for Nebraska. Well, of course, I got Malachi Coleman because if he doesn't use his elite speed to mm-hmm. break away from that defender, and Heinrich, for whatever reason, just spoke to the 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 football gods and decided to actually throw an accurate pass, he had the wind behind him um, too. <laughs> that helped. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Malachi Coleman is the only reason why we win this game by a comfortable. Difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, Northwestern was going to have to go all the way down the field, score a touchdown, and convert a two-point conversion to stay in the game. If Malachi Coleman doesn't get that touchdown, I don't know if if we win that game because Northwestern has way less weight on their shoulders. Just get inside of the 30-yard line on the other side, and we'll just doink one in. Yep. Last, I mean, that's how Nebraska loses games every time. So let's... Right. Malachi Coleman... Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got Cameron Lenhart. Did he have like outstanding stats? No, mm-hmm. but look at him. 
he is a freshman. That is a man amongst boys. Yep. He is an absolute unit of a guy. And yep. and that's saying something because if our defense is a top 30, top 25 defense, I mean, having a freshman out there performing like he is, I mean, the future is bright with yep. that young man. And, Absolutely. and that, I mean, the physicality of him, just the mm-hmm. intangibles that even though he didn't have crazy stat lines, the overall exertion of dominance that I was witnessing from him throughout the game yeah. when he would get put in. Oh man, I can't wait to see what this guy can do if we can throw a few mil of, of NIL at him for the next three, four years. Yep. But uh yeah, those are those are my players of the game. Thank All you, right. Malachi, for, for yep. two freshmen. Two freshmen. Two freshmen. This is the rule print, if you will. Right? He likes to play some of the older guys if they're worth if they think they'll adapt to his system. It's kind of what he did at Temple, what he did at Baylor, but he loves throwing those young guys to the wolves. And seeing how they respond. Best developments out there when the bullets are flying. Mm-hmm. And by God, Malachi's answered the call his first week officially as a starter. Answered the call. Got the big play down the field. Which, interesting tidbit, Matt Rule mentioned that in the uh, post-game press conference too. He said something to the fact, he goes, you guys know me. I'm not a dramatics guy. I'm not going to point at people or point at this, that, or the other when something big happens. He said, but... When Malachi caught that touchdown pass, he said, I did turn around and I pointed up into the box where Dr. Tom Osborne sits. He said, because that pass was on a belly option fake, and they'd been running the belly option two or three times during the Mm -hmm. game. And Osborne had told him during the week, you want to put in a pass play because if you've got somebody that can take the top off, he's going to beat the defense. He's going to get behind him because those safeties are going to cheat up. And Malachi's the guy. And Malachi's the guy. I mean, didn't he run a four two or something like that? Like he ran, he ran something that was absurdly fast. I don't absurdly remember if it fast. was his. Yeah, I don't remember if it was no, electronic it was his or handheld. It was his. Yeah. It was his hundred yard. It was his hundred meter dash. Yeah. Something. It was world class. Like under for 10 seconds yards or something. So, um, but anyway, there you go. I don't know if you had any players that stuck out to you when you were watching the game, Dustin. I didn't ask you for players of the game from Northwestern. I apologize, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I'll default to you guys on that one. I thought okay. uh, from from Northwestern, I thought uh, Bryce Kurtz did some good things, probably kept them in the ball game. So mm-hmm. um, I, that's probably the only thing I can really add All on right. that front. Oh, that's good. Sounds good. All right. Now the bold prediction results. These were the bold predictions we made last week. Uh, Dustin, I predicted that we would win 30 to 9. And that Tristan Alvano would make three field goals with one of them being over 45 yards. Well, I got Northwestern's point total correctly, and Alvano did kick a 47-yard field goal. So I was kind of like two-thirds right or something like that. Yep. <laughs> and then Scott. Yep. I, I predicted yep. I predicted that there was going to be a very important 50-plus yard. It didn't have to be a touchdown. It just needed to be a 50-plus yard play by somebody who had not seen any meaningful snaps or had any statistical significance to them at all. So like a walk-on or a freshman or somebody. And almost basically saw that with Malachi's 44 yards. So I was six yards short from from being dead on on my prediction. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, probably six yards into the end zone when he caught that. Right. So that you can, you can, you can count that. <laughs> there you go. There we go. We could go with technicalities. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. 
There we go. Technically. <laughs> Technically speaking, he caught that at the back of the end zone, so it was a 50-yard play. Yes. Yeah, we'll go with that. Okay, so you did hit it, Sky. You did hit it. There we I, go. Thanks, I will Dustin. allow it. I will allow it. Absolutely. <laughs> so Just trying to help when I can. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We've pretty much wrapped up the uh, Northwestern game. So let's move on and let's talk about the game that Dustin really cares about, which is the one when his team comes into Lincoln. Please do not hold it against Dustin that he is a Purdue fan. He's a good dude and we kind of like him. So uh, let him be. Don't go mad at him on Twitter. Not everybody can be perfect. Yeah, not everybody can be perfect. And I'm telling you, Dustin, one of the prettiest football venues I've ever been to besides Memorial Stadium is ross Aid. That place is cool. I was there in 2013 for, uh, for uh, yeah, would have been the first year that, or no, 2012, 2013. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. $5 got me in the door. <laughs> yeah, that does not surprise me. 2013, I actually think if I'm, so first to your point about ross they've made some upgrades that I think it looks better now. Um, it was mm-hmm. in one time in pretty bad shape, but the best time to go was like right about now when the when the leaves are changing, you get a nice pretty backdrop yep. of, of West Lafayette. But that two th- I think I had tickets to that 2013 game and I lived about an hour and a half away. And I was like, uh-uh. <laughs> because that was the Daryl <laughs> Hazel regime and nothing was yeah. going right. It wasn't just it wasn't just losing. They were getting blown out just about every week. And I think I think that was the case. I think Nebraska won that game pretty handily too. So I you know, yeah, it was. Don't regret missing that one. It was forty-nine to nothing with like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and Tommy Armstrong making his first start as a redshirt freshman threw a pick six for his fourth interception of the game. So yeah, that ended the shutout. But uh, I think that year ended up costing Hazel his job. I mean, wasn't Brom hired like the next season? Um. So Br- Hazel would have been fired in two thousand sixteen. Yeah, I thought, thought Brom started a year before Frost. Okay. okay. Yeah, so I remember Brom starting a year before Frost. He lasted Frost. two, three more seasons for some God only knows reason. <laughs> okay. Well, the Purdue's uh, previous athletic director was pretty. Um, what he was pretty cheap when it came to spending, so <laughs> that would have been why he was around for a little while. Well. October 29, 2023, you're coming to Lincoln. We're going to have to meet up somewhere. I have a feeling you will be hanging out with a certain other Husker fan that I know of that I owe a bag of jerky to. So if you happen to be tailgating with that person, I will uh, I will make sure we get met, get to meet up and uh, maybe slide you a free bag of pipeline jerky as well. So good stuff. Sounds delicious. Yeah, you got to try the pipeline jerky. It's, it's the real deal. I am a jerky snob. Mm-hmm. And so I was preparing mentally to pretend like I liked pipeline. So I didn't like stick my neck out there and be like, oh, yeah, you know, this is just really great jerky, even though it tastes like every other jerky brand. No, nope, it totally it has its own personality to it. And it's it's really good. Yep. So you'll have to have you try some Yep, peppercorn beef and honey barbecue pork are the two varieties. And they're both. Yeah. I'm not sure which I like better. They're I really so don't. good in their own right. So good. So anyway, there we go. That's our national stat rankings for offense between Nebraska and Purdue. Um, Not a whole lot of difference, really. I mean, 
there's some better on offense produce a little bit better nationally uh, other than rushing. And that's of course, Nebraska's strong suit on defense. So they're going to have to throw the ball, which is kind of sort of a weakness of ours, even though once you get inside the 20, it's pretty much toast. You're not getting into the end zone. So, um, but there you go, Nebraska, uh, or, um, Purdue at 371 total yards uh, per game is 85th in the country in uh, yards per game and 7th in the Big Ten, whereas Nebraska at 329 yards is 107th in the country and 8th in the Big Ten. Uh, Total rushing yards, 974 yards a game has Purdue ranked 3rd or 8th in the conference and 78th in the country. 1,625 passing yards has them ranked uh, 4th in the conference and 56th in the country. 23 points per game is 100th in the country and 7th in the conference and then 17 sacks allowed by their de- their offensive line as I'm ranked 95th in the country and 12th in the conference. Nebraska's not a whole lot better. They're not allowing near as many sacks. I was kind of surprised. I thought the sack numbers would be a little t- higher, uh, but they're not. But it's, you know, total passing yards... If you can't loosen somebody up a little bit by being able to chuck the ball a bit, um, we're just never going to get out of that bottom side of the of the conference. So, 1,366 rushing yards for Nebraska has them ranked 26th in the country, third in the conference. Surprised me there that Rutgers, well, Rutgers had a hell of a day rushing the ball yesterday. So, um, and I think Michigan's second. Uh, 936 passing yards. 128th in the country. Hey, at least we're five above the bottom. That works. <laughs> and 12th in the conference. 18.7 points per game is a grand total of 121st in the country, 13th in the conference. It's just it's just not fun. Uh, <laughs> 14 sacks as is ranked 88th in the country and then 10th in the conference uh, in sacks allowed. So I don't know. If there's a stat that Purdue needs to capitalize on offense, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. It's they've they've got to be able to throw the ball, right? Yeah, and I think what is very concerning to me as a Purdue fan watching Nebraska's defense just eat Northwestern alive and, and play well against Illinois and, and some of the other games they played, particularly early in the season, is Purdue's offensive line has struggled just about with everybody. And so I have a feeling that Hudson Card is going to probably be throwing off of his back foot a lot. They've had to play the last couple games without Tyrone Tracy, who has been kind of a gadget guy for them. He is, if he's not in the lineup, then that's one less weapon that Purdue's going to have to try to counter Nebraska's attack. I I don't, I don't know. I think Purdue's going to have to, but when they've been forced to do that, and especially with the way Nebraska, they just continue to get momentum on their defensive line, and uh, the linebackers are playing extremely well. I think that Hudson Card's going to have a nightmare outing. He had a nightmare day against Ohio State, and I think that this Nebraska defense, I don't know that it's as good as is Ohio State, but it's probably borderline on the terms of getting pressure. And I, I think that there's just going to be a lot of off-balance plays produced. The one thing is that's nice is they've had two weeks. They're coming off of a bye, so maybe you're able to tweak some things offensively to get the ball out of his hand a little bit quicker, try to get some guys in space. But if it looks like it did against Ohio State and the offensive line is basically giving a clear path to the quarterback, it's going to be a long day. I love that you said that because it confirms that that is 
a good feeling that I have too, because that's that's basically what I was gonna. That was my that was my take. I mean, Hudson Card is going to be the mm-hmm. he's going to be the catalyst of of your offense, make or break. It, either he finds a way to get out of trouble with that yet bad offensive line that you guys have. I'm glad that we're not the only ones struggling with this. Mm-hmm. Um, Hudson Card is going to have to make some. He's going to have to do some player of the game moves, and he's going to have to be a really, really scrappy game manager. Um, cause clearly he's able to, he's able to put up yards, but it's all, I, if I haven't watched every Purdue game, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's all been mostly maybe once in a while he gets a clean pocket and he's able to just kind of lob one down with accuracy. But most of the time it's, it's, he's making mobile decisions and finding guys in open field as he needs to. Is that mm-hmm. is that a correct observation? I've only watched like two or three Purdue games. He has to hold the ball an awfully long time. He has to scramble. He was constantly on the move against Iowa. He's constantly on the move against Ohio State. Those are pretty good defenses, but your offensive line has to be able to hold up. Uh, yeah. And so it, it's just been – I remember this – is, this is funny to me now, and this is going to tie in a little bit of the defense too – but Purdue's secondary has been really bad. And I remember going back to um, the BTN when they did those, you know, their fall camp or summer training or whatever, quick stops that they do. And they talked and raved about how well Hudson Card was throwing the ball, finding his receivers. He's the real deal. And I'm pretty sure it was only because the secondary was so bad. Um, <laughs> because he has not looked – and I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. He needs he needs time, uh, and I think the offensive line needs time. I, I think he's potential, but when you're, I, I, mean, I would compare it to Adrian Martinez, right? I hate to keep bringing that up, but you saw what his potential was. But when you're constantly on the run and the offensive yes. line doesn't give you much time to work with, you just can't throw the ball accurately. You can't find your receivers. You try to have to make something out of nothing. And I feel like at least over the last couple of weeks that's what Hudson Cards had to do to Nebraska's defensive line and their linebackers I think that that's what he's going to have to try to do again try to make chicken you know what or chicken salad out of chicken you know what <laughs> it's all right dude you can drop the s-bomb around here I'm not I'm not censoring anything <laughs> and it doesn't hurt my feelings and most of the people who watch us don't care they're probably half hammered by now anyway so Perfect. um <laughs> Let's take a look. I, you know, I don't really have. I think you guys have said it absolutely perfectly. I think Nebraska's obviously they're going to need to run the ball. Um, I'm not sure what the Blazes Satterfield was thinking, calling that pass play on first down against arguably one of the also one of the worst rushing defenses in the in the Big Ten in Northwestern. But by God, he did it. Uh, it just was a curious game plan for me. I did start the uh, hashtag Fire Sat. Uh, deal yesterday purely out of emotion <laughs> but I'm sticking by it because I don't know why we're paying that guy a million bucks if he's going to call a pass play when you've got the number one rushing offense in the country like he can't but, get out of his own way I, yeah. I didn't I text you this yesterday where he's it was trying like, to be too cute he's trying to play chess when in all reality it's just a really the game that you need to play is checkers mm. quit playing chess you ding dong you don't have nope. to you don't have to think 18 plays ahead of the team just make this one mm-hmm. work with yep. what you've got. But yep, anyway. So. Uh. There's the defensive numbers. Um, Nebraska went into this game with 16 sacks in the year. And they come out of it with 24. I mean, it's just it's eight against them, eight against Colorado. So, you know, 
the other four other three games or what is it other five games they had eight sacks between the other five now keep in mind three of those games cameron lenhart was gone mm-hmm. and there's a big difference when you've got a dude that can constantly be in the backfield and you've always got to account for him it's going to open up things for everybody else so mm-hmm. that's um, what that's why he's that's why Jared Crick was so good yep. with uh, our defense when Ndamukong Sue was right by him. Yep. He just had so many more opportunities yep. when they have to double team Sue every time. And mm-hmm. I think when you add a Cameron Cameron Lenhart into the into the factor, yeah, that's that's what you get. Yep, absolutely. And then you got Nash Hutmarker who's just destroying people uh, in the middle and getting held. It's you see, it's like he looks like he's being born. He's busting through the line. He looks like he's being bored. He's shimmying. He's doing this, and dudes have got him like this, and they're not throwing the flag. It's like, what? What kind of world am I living in? Anyway, ay, ay, ay. Defense. Yeah, we're pretty even in what the tap passing yards that both teams have given up. We're pretty even in many ways across the board. So we'll just go through these numbers here real quick. Purdue has the fifth-ranked conference, or fifth in the conference and 21st in the country in total yards per game at 395. They are fifth in the conference and second in the country in total rushing yards given up. Or no, that's Nebraska. That's Nebraska. My bad. I'm getting the wrong one. See, I'm trying to give you more than you deserve there, Dustin. We'll start over. 13th in the conference and 93rd in the country in yards per game at 395. 13th in the conference and 96th in the country at total rushing yards given up at 1,075. 14th in the country, 102nd in the, or 14th in the conference, 102nd in the country at 1,693 total passing yards. I didn't get much sleep last night. I apologize, folks. 14th in the conference, 71st in the country at 29.9 points per game allowed. And then second in the conference and 25th in the country in total sacks so the defense is good at getting to guys and uh bringing them to the turf which <laughs> i'm guessing you'll get a few of those on saturday um why don't you go ahead scott and give nebraska's number so i don't completely screw this one up too so nebraska in the yards per game category in the nation they're ranked 21st which is pretty good. And in the conference, they're ranked fifth. So if that gives you any indication of how good uh, total yards per game defense uh, Big Ten has collectively, I mean, we've got five teams in the top 21. So that's pretty good. Um, Total rushing yards allowed per game. Nebraska is ranked second in the nation still. We're still top five. And uh, wait a second, that doesn't make any sense. Okay, so we're definitely not fifth in the conference if we're second in the nation. Um, so I'm going to imagine we're probably either number one or number two. I must have um, switched something. My bad. It's all good. It's all good. Total passing yards. Nebraska has allowed 1,600, and they are ranked 97th in the nation because of that and 11th in the conference. It's crazy. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Purdue and Nebraska, right? You've got Nebraska who has allowed – 30 less yards of passing total for the season. And that makes them 11th in the conference where that makes Purdue 14th. So somehow there's, there's four big 10 teams at, in that little tiny, in that little tiny segment right there. That's, it's so interesting. 
Um, Nebraska, point, points allowed per game. We are allowing 19 points per game. That puts us at just outside the top 25 at 26 in the nation. And that puts us at eighth in the conference. And like we just discussed earlier, um, total sacks, our defense now has uh, has now accumulated 24 sacks for the season. That puts us at 11th in the nation and third in the conference. So yes. looking looking at these stats comparatively, um, Nebraska has a has a pretty good defense, and I think the biggest shocker going into this season really is how bad Purdue's defense is. Um, I would have assumed that if there was anything that you could take with this new coaching hires, that their defense was going to be mm-hmm. serviceable, and they're just not. Um, I don't know what that reason is, though. What if you could if you could summarize the woes of the Purdue defense to the best of your ability? What would it be? That's a great question. I think that there's a lot of. I think you lose some of your better players from last season. You're going through a coaching change, obviously. I think that Ryan Walters, based on what he did at Illinois last season, was going to come in and fix the Purdue defense. And it wasn't bad last year. It was good enough, obviously, to win the Big Ten West and get to the Big Ten championship game. But I think when you look at what Purdue has done, they've actually got a lot of pressure on quarterbacks. They've done a really good job at putting pressure, getting to the court up. But their secondary is really bad. And so they're giving up chunk plays. There's a lot of attempted arm tackling. And their run, their run defense just can't stop anybody. I mean, the, the biggest, most egregious thing that, that I've seen so far this season is that it seems like when stops on first and second down, they could get consecutive sacks on first and second down. And for whatever reason, they'll give up. I think, I think teams are converting at like a 46 or 47% rate on third down this season. So it's it's been rough to watch. On those true passing, it's almost like it doesn't matter. On those true passing downs, Purdue, but if the secondary is always a step behind and it seems like teams can always find a wide receiver, move the sticks, and then Purdue will bow up again on first and second down, and then on third down, they just give it up again. So I think third down conversions in their secondary are the two biggest things that have popped out to me because – there's nothing more frustrating than getting to situations third and six plus, and you just can't get off the damn field. Um, yeah. And I think that's because of the secondary. I think the I think the defensive line. I think their I think their linebackers have proven to be really good at, at getting pressure, getting into the backfield. But it's just their secondary is is not good, too young, whatever the case might be. I don't know, but they've got it there. Yeah, I understand. I. Um, yeah, just to clarify that one uh, rushing stat for Nebraska on defense, it is second in the conference and fifth in the country. I transposed the two, so uh, okay. my apologies there. Um, but yeah, I think you're right, Dustin. You know what? That's a stat I probably need to start adding to these uh, rankings is third down percentage given up by the defense as well as third down percentage converted by I the, can say a by lot the about offenses. A defense. Um, as well, how good the offenses are converting on third down would, would tell a lot of tale as well. It's just mm-hmm. I, 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 <laughs> I'm good at trying to minimize my work <laughs> and maximize all the crap I could throw up on a screen. So uh, I guess I need to get better at it. But um, anyway, those are the defensive stat rankings. So 
Let's take a look at Dustin. I asked you to give a couple of players to watch for Purdue. So why don't you go on ahead and share your reasoning why? And there you go. Those are their season stats so far. Yeah, I mean, Deion Burks has been sensational since basically the start of the season. He's the kind of guy that, as I mentioned, I think that Graham Harrell and hopefully the Purdue staff is going to try to scheme for a little bit more, especially depending on what Tyrone Tracy's availability is. Um, he's a guy that can that can turn a four-yard play into a 75-yard touchdown. And so I think Purdue needs to get the ball to him as much as possible because they don't have a lot of weapons offensively. Again, with Tracy Hurt, they've got TJ Sheffield. They've got some other receivers. Um, mm -hmm. Ramon Yassin has, has done some good things for the Purdue. Uh, but they don't really have that – they don't really have that second guy that can step up. And so teams have started on Burks. If they can get him the ball, I like their chances, especially because he can he can move it you know, down the field in chunk plays for them. So um, we'll see if he gets targeted a lot in that game. Hopefully he does because he's, he's probably the most explosive player. I don't want to say on the field, but he's definitely produced the most explosive player. And then uh, Kadron Jenkins, linebacker, phenomenal year. He leads the team in sacks. He's up near the top of the Big Ten. He's got five sacks this season mm -hmm. um he's played really well he's 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 just a been a monster for them um and then i'm gonna throw in another guy too that i completely forgot who i probably no, would have no, mentioned no. had i thought no, I <laughs> <laughs> uh freshman dylan theaneman has played really well he's got three and there's a nice surprise for the purdue defense i talked about how poorly the secondary has played if there's a, a diamond in the rough and a, a reason to think that the, that unit can get better moving forward. It's because of the way he's played. Um, he might be Purdue's top tackler, which isn't what you want out of a defensive back safety type player, obviously. But the mm -hmm. fact that he can make plays gets it. those two guys, I think, are going to be key on the defensive side for Purdue. All right. Good stuff. I, I can't say that I don't agree. Uh, <laughs> I'd be curious to see how Hudson Card manages with all the pressure he's going to be seeing as well. So. Um, and then, of course, that Purdue secondary is a lot of the reason I chose uh, for Nebraska. A player to watch on offense is Malachi Coleman. Uh, has a knack. Obviously, he's shown the ability to get downfield. He just hasn't gotten too many targets. Um, and as you said, if they struggle on third down as much as you as they do, um, I like guys like Fedoni and Coleman to make some big plays on third down. So uh, that's my player to watch on offense and my player to watch on defense is just nasty Nash. The nut smasher, as some people like to call him. <laughs> I think he had one and a half yesterday, maybe two and a half. He's got four tackles for loss on the year. 26 total tackles, seven of them solo. So he's, I think, ranked third on the team in tackles, which is just amazing to have only 26 tackles just over halfway through the season. And he's third on the team. Because there's a lot of damn dudes out there tackling people. It's pretty cool to see how much depth is being built uh, by Tony White right now, which is another point I'd like to make. And the fact that Tony White has just as many young players that he's working with every single week and teaching them how to run his defense as Marcus Satter Satterfield has teaching his offense to. And White is excelling. Satterfield? <laughs> I yet to see the anything. results are pretty obvious that he's not, <laughs> but that's just me. Maybe it takes a little longer to learn that playbook than it does White's playbook. And this, these defender, uh, some of these older defenders showed a knack for being able to change quickly 
into a different system like they did when Bill Bush took over that defense last year, and immediately mm-hmm. they got better. So these guys are good players, obviously. They got high football IQ. A high football IQ. It's just going to be it's going to be fun to watch uh, the rest of the season unfold. And who knows? I'm I'm thinking Nebraska has a very good chance of being bowl eligible before Maryland comes to town, which would be great because then they could just cut loose and play free, just have fun, you know. Mm-hmm. So get all that pressure off their back. Uh, so yeah. There you go. Those are the players to watch. Dustin, there's your score prediction. How about it? I, yeah, I might. I want to rethink this after watching the, I, that. Twenty three and twenty might be a little generous. It might be something like seventeen to ten again, something like that. But right. mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I I do think Nebraska wins again. I think Purdue because of the off week because they'll have two weeks to kind of prepare. I think they'll play a little bit better. Um, I just. One of the biggest gripes, and I haven't had a chance to mention this, so I'm going to mention it now. It seems like when Purdue gets in really favorable situations close to the goal line, they're taking snaps out of the shotgun, trying to run the ball up the middle, and it didn't work nine times in the season. It it did not work the nine times in a row. They tried it against Fresno State in the season opener. It's like Mm -hmm. banging their head against stand at some time. If if that's going to be your identity, then you want to – try to force it it's, that just can't be Purdue's identity so it's funny you guys um have complained a little bit and, and oh, yeah. want Satterfield to maybe be a little bit simpler with the playbook right yep. Purdue's got to be crafty if they're going to try to score they can't try to run against this Nebraska front if they get into the red run in there they're going to have to be creative they're going to have to dial up some trick plays some some misdirection send some guys in motion they're going to have to do something creative because if they are inside the five yard line and I have to watch them run four times again into that brick wall defense. I might be escorted out of Memorial Stadium. <laughs> just curious, where do you know where your your tickets are? I do not. I'm I'm just happy to be in there. That's going to be a heck of an experience. So I'm I'm thrilled it's, to just be in the fun. stadium. If you happen to be in South Stadium, that's awesome because that's where we'll be sitting. So. Uh, yep. It's big though, so it might not. I'll be wearing red. <laughs> it's a big place. Know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Scott, you have Elise. Yeah, there you go. Yep. God's prediction. And I think that the majority of those points are actually scored on defense. Hmm. That's 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 my. I would say a secondary bold prediction. I haven't gotten to my first one, but my secondary <laughs> bold prediction is that the majority of the points scored this Saturday are going to be as a direct result of the defense. I don't necessarily see it being all pick sixes or fumble Mm -hmm. sixes or whatever. Um, But I mean, we saw it with the Northwestern game. We've seen it with Purdue, the, the field position that both Nebraska and Purdue have given up from mistakes. It's just going to be a recipe for an odd game. It's going to be a very odd game, um, and there's going to be weird opportunities. That's why I picked 19. I mean, the likelihood that Nebraska finds themselves in a situation where they can get a safety is very likely. Um, So (laughs) I, I, I could go either way. I think the score could probably go either way. Um, The, the the thing that I'm going to look out for the most in this game with a Hudson card being as scrappy as he is and with your weapons that you guys have in, in your wide receiver core and, and whatnot, uh, can Nebraska do it again? They prevented the dink and dunk crap that I've been seeing all season 
last uh, this this game against Northwestern. I they they seem to lock it down. Can they do it again? Yep. I don't know. Let's see. Um, Good point. I'm going to assume no until I see it twice, until I see it three times, until I see a pattern. Really, let's just assume that old ways are just going to creep back up, and Nebraska is going to start allowing Hudson Card to find those five, six, eight yard dink and dunk passes, and just keep drives alive. Um, because that's been our weakness of our defense all the way up until mm-hmm. Northwestern. So, um, that's my prediction. Nebraska wins 19 to 17. Mm-hmm. So, Dustin's got us winning 23 20. You've got 19 17. I've got us winning 16 to 10. Uh, I think that's a pretty, pretty safe score. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't think we're going to put more than seven points on the board on offense. And then maybe some turnovers deep in the territory, and we kick three field goals. And then uh, I think I think we give up a pick six this week. I do. I think Harbert gives up a pick six. Oh yeah. Uh, de- defensive, but probably that linebacker Dustin is probably who's going to pick it off too, because God knows the secondary can't. <laughs> right? Or that or that safety you were or talking safety, about. Yeah, that one that you so, uh, mentioned later. <laughs> so sixteen to ten. Uh, Nebraska's defense only gives up three points. So those are the score predictions. Let's move on to the old bold prediction. Dustin, you have an interesting one. Not surprising. This is not so much a Purdue bold prediction as I think it's probably more Nebraska in the terms of I, I saw what they what happened in the Illinois game. I saw what happened and had trouble. And I think so, in the Northwestern game, they were able to fall on a lot of those balls that were dropped and put on the ground. Right. I think because Purdue can get in the backfield pretty quickly, I think that they're going to be able to force some turnovers. So I could see a couple fumbles for Purdue that they recover, uh, an interception. I don't know about a pick six. Um, but I think that they'll get three turnovers. Now, the problem is, can Purdue do anything with it? That's where I think the trouble comes in. Yeah, uh, because I, again, these past couple games, Illinois and Northwestern are sticking out to me the most, probably because they're the most recent. But even though Nebraska's turned the ball over, that defense answers the call just about every time. So mm-hmm. they gave up seven to Illinois despite a couple turnovers, nine to Northwestern despite a couple turnovers. My guess is you'll see something pretty similar. If Purdue can do something with those, then we're talking about a completely different game. But I think Purdue's going to force, quote unquote, force three turnovers. Uh, just it's going to be interesting to see if that if they're able to do anything with it. Mm-hmm. All right, Scott, there you go. Interesting so, one. Nate Borkacher, our tight end, along with Thomas Fedoni, the tandem that is those two, um, makes a highly contested jaw-dropping highlight catch at a crucial moment in the game, which sets Nebraska up for the dub. That's it. Whether it's a one-handed catch or I could see something more like he goes up with a two-handed catch and there's four Purdue guys that just lay into him. He does like three flips in the air and somehow loses his helmet and his cleats all at the same time and then <laughs> lands on the ground with the with the the football welded to his hands because he was not going to let it go. Um, so that that's my bold prediction because Nate Borkatcher has put himself in a lot of positions yeah. To, to make good plays, he just hasn't, the ball just hasn't been thrown his way. So I think, I think we're going to see that. All right. Well, my bold prediction is that Nash Hutmacher becomes the first Husker in 2023 to actually get double digit tackles in a game. Um, 
I just do. I, I think he's going to have that kind of game. I think um, Cameron Lenhart being back just makes it so much easier for Nash in the middle there because they have to pay so much attention to number 11 outside. Um, yeah, that would be it. I, I'd say line. he's got 11 tackles, two for loss, and three sacks. Nice. Which would be three tackles for loss. But hey, who's counting? Um, <laughs> here's the bold predictions. I think that's about it for uh, for the good old-fashioned, yeah, it is. There we go. Three tweeted. Let's move on to the next segment, which we're done with the preview of Purdue. So this is the three tweeted segment. Here's what three tweeted is. You, as a Twitter user, create a college football-related hot take tweet. And you can do this too, Dustin. You at, tag either me or Scott. In that tweet, add the hashtag, hashtag three tweeted, post the tweet before noon on the Sunday of each Gen Red live stream. And if we use the tweet on the show, you get a, a free bag of pipeline jerky. Good stuff. You can't, uh, you, you just can't beat it. So the first tweet was our buddy Brian at Husker Army podcast, which he won last week. But you know what? He's the only one. There was this was the only person this week that used the hashtag three tweeted and and uh, tagged either me or Scott. So he gets a second bag because he says Satterfield seems reluctant to play to the current offensive personnel strengths. Not going to say it's bad play calling. He is the coach, and I'm not. But the team responds to their strengths. Coaches need to adapt to players as players adapt to coaches. Right? I think that's a good point. Um, but. Then again, you've got a guy like Malachi Coleman. You kind of want to heave a couple downfield once a couple times a game when you've got that guy, don't you? But yeah, for certain, the strength is cram the ball at people. Get those four or five yard car- four, five yards per carry early in the game. If you do that, shoot, that turns into nine, ten yards a carry in the fourth quarter and uh, salts games away pretty easy. So that's three tweeted number one. Any comments on that? Any thoughts on that, Scott or Dustin, or we would just want to keep moving to the next one? Just move to the next one. All righty. Good thoughts there, Husker Army. There we go. This is what the, I was Uh, kind of talking specific. I was, I was so, I wanted to say something when you happened to bring up his name earlier. That's funny. I didn't even see this uh, tweet. So that's just a weird coincidence. But this is one, this was, I had a conversation a little bit with Husker Wave about Harburg and whether or not he should be benched for Sims or at least give Sims a few plays. I can understand giving Sims a few plays for sure, especially if you know somebody like Harburg gets a little dinky, gets a little dinged up or whatever. Uh, I can see that, but he's been named the officially the starter now, and there's no reason to yank that right back away from him. So, and Crick makes a good point: zero guarantee any other QB wins those games. He's going to be fine. Each start, he sees something at this level for the first time. Sounds like the team plays their ass off for him. Stat sheets don't measure the impact that can make on a game. And I think you said that earlier, Dustin, that you don't look necessarily at the stats. You look at how hard the team plays and how hard the quarterback plays. The intangibles. Yeah. No, nobody wants to tackle Harburg. He's like trying to tackle Scott Frost. I remember what a bull he was back in the day. So um, he runs with a violence that I just freaking love for a quarterback. Any other thoughts on that, guys? Well, I need to know when the cue is to talk about Heinrich Harburg, I guess. Do we want to wait till the... Go ahead. Okay. So this is my view on Heinrich Harburg, is he's a bad quarterback. Just wholesale, bad quarterback. You can't look at him on the field and be like, that's a good quarterback. Is he winning games? Sure. Is his team playing for him? 
Sure, but he's not necessarily putting us in any positions to win the game as much as he is putting us in positions to lose the game. Um, it just basically just seems like if it wasn't for our defense, Heinrich Harburg would not even, there wouldn't even be a thought. It would just be, get him out of there. I don't know. Um, and you can look at that and say that. And that's fine. Uh, but ultimately, this is Heinrich Harburg's job to lose. Until he goes out there and overtly loses us a game where you go, how did we lose that game? Well, we were in the red zone three times in the last five minutes of the fourth quarter and Heinrich threw three interceptions in a row. Right. Uh, so that's the that's that's really it. it. Until Heinrich Harburg loses us a game like Jeff Sims lost us a game, he's going to remain our starter. Um, there isn't, I do agree. There isn't anything that separates Heinrich Harburg from Jeff Sims, other than the fact that I think Jeff Sims is on a purely talent level, more talented. Um, but when it comes to the intangibles, like what is the game actually playing out to be Jeff Sims put us in positions to lose the game. And it didn't seem like our team fought for him. It didn't seem granted, our defense didn't necessarily play lights out at the beginning of the season either. Um, so I can see it from both sides. I can see it from both sides. Am I going to be butthurt if all of a sudden Jeff Sims starts football, like starts our, as a quarterback? No, I'm honestly not. Because I truly don't think that there's any difference between Heinrich Harburg and Jeff Sims other than the intangibles. Um if if it has to just be who does the team want to play for more? Of course. If it's Heinrich Harburg, keep him in there because the team wants to play for him. And if mm-hmm. they don't want to play for Jeff Sims, they don't want to play for him. It's just that simple. But I do get annoyed when the same Husker fans that were screaming the t- at the top of their lungs that we needed to get Jeff Sims out of the game are the same ones that are like, bring him back in. And then on the same note, yeah. I'm so sick and tired of the people who were who are just no keep keep Heinrich Harburg in the game. Heinrich is doing just as bad as Jeff Sims. He's throwing just as many. Actually, I think he's throwing worse passes. Um, it's it's just one of those weird situations where you can't just say because of this one thing, this is what you do. It's a really complicated situation. Keep Heinrich in there until he does something that me, may, that means he gets pulled. Like, and I think we could. I think it's more likely than not that we see that happen this season. I think there's a very good chance we see Heinrich have an egregiously bad game, and there's nothing we can do but put another quarterback in there and see what happens again. Who's that quarterback though? Is that Jeff Sims or is that Chubba Purdy? I don't care. That's they all the suck. question. That's I don't care. Uh, <laughs> I, it, I, that's the thing. I'm I don't, gonna I don't say, really care. I, I disagree that that Heinrich's a bad quarterback. I don't think he's a bad quarterback. I just think he's a bad passer. Um, I don't think he's as talented. He doesn't have the arm talent that Jeff Sims does, but he has the ability to manage a game. Um, and you got you know one of those one of those interceptions from yesterday. If if Fedoni does what he's supposed to do and catches the freaking ball, it doesn't happen. Um, the first interception was just bad. It was a bad play call. He threw the ball late. That was just a bad decision. He should have probably pulled it down and ran. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to say he's a bad quarterback. I disagree with you on that, but I don't 
I don't. What what makes what makes him a good quarterback? He's then? not. I didn't say he was a good quarterback either. I said he's a quarterback. He's not a bad one though. He runs okay, our then offense. What, what the would way make Satterfield it, what would make him an average it. quarterback? What would make him? Uh, what what about his tangibles, his stats that makes him a good or not a good quarterback? A quarterback that isn't bad because when you look at him. You you can look at the eye test. You can look at the stats. You can look at everything that you can possibly look back in a quarterback and go, does he is he a go to quarterback if our defense is half as good as they are right now? Well, it doesn't have anything to do with the defense. It has yes, everything. It does. No, it does. It's complimentary it complimentary football. It's it, complimentary exactly. football. Exactly. You have to play so, the hand you're dealt, and like it or not, the hand that Heinrich Harburg is dealt is the fact that there are four wide receivers that were supposed to be on the field more than the wide receivers that are on the field now and they're gone yeah and We've you could say you could, you could take you've that also, same context and two, put it at, at jeff you Sims. also have two guys that were supposed to be very beneficial in the backfield who are not playing either one of them that was supposed to be really dynamic at catching the ball out of the backfield and ramir johnson that would have easily oh, made yeah Heinrich and marcus Carver's washington job, job and isaiah Carcia, garcia Castaneda. Yep. We've lost tons of weapons, but that still doesn't change just the the overall fact that we yes, have a bad you quarterback. You can't room. honestly sit here and tell me that not having more talent around him that was better, that had moved up the depth chart, that were there, that were going to be starters, you cannot tell me that that has not impacted his play. Because it has. Guys aren't getting I'm not saying open. it doesn't. I'm just and saying you've got it doesn't down, matter. So. You are dealt the hand that you are dealt, and you're going to do with it the best that you can. it still doesn't change the fact that he's the quarterback, and it still doesn't change the fact that the coaches trust him. doesn't change the fact that the team plays for him. doesn't change the fact that he's fucking 4-1. and one. I know. In I know. Spite, I, in spite I'm of just, how I'm just looking at it from an objective standpoint. He is, he's 4-1. and one. Jeff Sims fumbled and, and threw more interceptions than Harburg has done in five games. He did that in two. I don't I, think. I don't saying, think you take. A I could chance. look at. I could look at eighty percent of the quarterbacks in the league right now, and I would pick all of them over over Heinrich Harburg every time because of because of what they can do. We don't have the other quarterbacks in the league. We have who we have. I know, and that's why I'm saying, from just an objective standpoint, if you compare him to so the grand the schema. There, I'm not offering a solution. I'm just saying we need to stop looking at this as there is a, a, a zero sum good and bad. It's like <laughs> it's like there's good and there's bad, and then there's the the overall grand picture of it. It like the bigger picture is Heinrich Harburg a good quarterback? No, he is not. He's winning us games. He's doing things that are manageable and whatnot. But if he didn't have a defense that was supporting him to such a degree, I mean, this would be an absolute dumpster fire. This would be, this would be historically bad quarterback play, um, because at least I would, don't think it'd be any better if Jeff Sims were still playing. To be honest with you, uh, that's His the thing. You can't. You can't. You can't. Awful. You can't say like this is. This is the hard part. Is it's like there's always the well. What about there's this what aboutism? I hate what aboutisms. I'm looking at it. As it is, what I see from my eye test, the stats, and everything, I I get it. People need to defend Heinrich Harburg. I will defend him. I it's like, does he does he deserve to stay our starter? Sure, but is is he walking a very very thin line at any given moment? This yes, whole team because has the whole yes, team is yes. And I'm not. I I I think we're agreeing on almost everything. It's just the, I'm just the, not going to call him a bad quarterback. 
That that's that's fine. I, I'm willing to call a, a spade a spade. I'm calling a spade a spade. Regardless of the win loss record, you can look at Heinrich Harburg as the player that he is and go, he's got bad throwing mechanics. He's got bad decision making. He's got wildly inconsistent. Uh, well, this is that he's got wildly inconsistent decision making. Um, that I think the only thing that's been his saving grace is for whatever reason the the play calling has been way more conservative they haven't been as crazy they've done some cool things they've done some 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 trickery they've done some things that are that are interesting but the bulk of it is very conservative they're playing with his weaknesses they know that Heinrich has a really really bad throwing motion and we saw a lot of that specifically the play that they showed on replay where he dinky arms it throws it like this and of course it doesn't it just boom right into the hand of the defender. The defender didn't even have to do anything. He was just like, "Hey, what's up?" Boom. I mean, that's bad quarterbacking right there. From a fundamental standpoint, fundamentally, he has bad quarterback fundamentals. So that's why I'm saying he's a bad quarterback from a fundamental standpoint. Is his production bad? Is everything is the is the overall thing all that bad? No. But when it comes to just the basic observation of is he a good quarterback i just i just don't think so he's just winning us games which is good he's doing things that jeff sims would do as well i mean it's complicated you can't just look at him and go he's a good quarterback and you can't just go at him and say he's just a bad quarterback but he's definitely more of a bad quarterback than he is a good one that's where i will that's where i will leave it all right justin go ahead I was going to say, I'm going to give him an incomplete grade. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you two comparisons here really quick. The first one is Cade McNamara. I think everybody's not a great quarterback, but above average probably to good at Michigan. And you took him away from all the weapons he had along the one of the best offensive lines. You take away those receivers. And he's got, I don't want to say nothing at Iowa, but basically nothing. And he didn't when he was playing, he did not look like he did not look like a starting Big Ten quarterback who won a Big Ten championship just a few years ago before JJ McCarthy took over. The other one would be Michael Penix Jr. And look at how bad he looked in his last in that 2021 season. I mean, he was throwing picks left and right. He didn't get any protection. He I, he went from a potential high. This guy is nowhere near good enough. He goes out to Washington, reconnects with his offensive coordinator, and he looks a lot better. Mm -hmm. So I think when you look at the injuries, the way that Nebraska's offensive line is still growing, the lack of weapons that they have. I don't want to say lack of weapons because I do think they have good weapons at wide receiver and running burn on the fly. They're pretty banged up. You're having to put a lot of guys in positions they probably weren't prepared to be in coming into the season. So I don't know. I would put him in the probably – just he's the quarterback in 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 uh, as Ken phrased it. I to me, I don't think you can give him a grade one way or the other just yet because I think that the the play calling is, and he doesn't have the traditional weapons around him. So I think it's I think it's fair to say it's incomplete because those factors do factor in because you just look at those two examples that I got and those are night and day quarterbacks that went from Cade went from a really good system with a lot of a lot of talented players to a bad system. And I'd say he's probably, when he was healthy, one of the bottom four. And then Michael Penix Jr., who I thought was not good during that 2021 season in any regard, 
he goes out to Washington and now he's leading the Heisman conversation. So I think mm-hmm. those factors do it. Now I'm not saying that that's going to Heinrich's going to make that kind of jump one way or the other, but I think it's it's no, fair to say fine. this is still yeah. a learning process. He's he's just in um, he's still learning. He's still growing. I think he's gotten. I know he still has trouble with the snap. I think he's gotten better or at least more comfortable each week he started. Yeah, he's made less mental mistakes. He's made less mental mistakes. Um, Because, I mean, outside of that first quarter where he threw two interceptions, I mean, he didn't put the ball in places that were going to make bad results. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I just say... I, I just tend to look at things from two perspectives. What does it look like now? And what does it look like on the big scale? And we don't have, we, all we have is what does it look like now? There is no grand scheme of Henrik, of mm-hmm. Heinrich Harburg right now. There's just, what does he look like right now? Well, he looks bad. Um, and that's, I don't care if, if, if Cade McNamara did all right at, at Michigan, he looks bad now, so he's a bad quarterback now. That's that's just how yeah, I look at it. He's that's, injured. He's done for the I don't, year. So <laughs> I don't care. It's like you can look at every quarterback's career, and unless they've had a long stretch of greatness, it doesn't matter if they had one good season. You're going to look at their you're going to look at their their total picture, mm-hmm. uh, which you don't get much in in college. You get nope. maybe four years. Um, with COVID, obviously, you got more out of that. You got a way bigger stretch of 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 a sample size, but um, yeah, I think I think we still have yet to see what Henrik Har- Heinrich Harburg's ceiling is, but I still think that we have yet to uncover what kind of floor he can achieve. Um, so I'll I'll be very happy if at the end of the season he's still our starter, but I could very well see uh, a potential route where he Never does know. a Jeff Sims for two games in a row. Yep. If he does exactly what Jeff Sims did for the first half of the season for these next two games, I mean. If you're a coach worth your salt, you're going to have to pull him out of the game like you did Sims. Um, but yeah, that's all just hypothetical. So, uh, but I appreciate it, that perspective. Yep, yep. Just for a little bit of perspective. Granted, it's completely different offenses, but back in the day, um, Tommy Frazier is regarded arguably as the best quarterback in our Husker football history, and uh, he wasn't even a fifty percent passer. So. Um, you don't have to have great mechanics or be a really, really good passer to be successful at quarterback at Nebraska, especially mm-hmm. if we're going to be run heavy. As long but as I we get rid of Satterfield. You. <laughs> I completely agree with you. His mechanics need work. No ifs, ands, or buts. And I'm sure it's getting work. It's just a matter of He's going to need a whole off Repping season. it, repping it, repping it. So anyway, that's our last one. Uh, I mentioned that earlier. Matt Rule pointed up to the seats of former coach Tom Osborne after Harburg to Coleman TD pass in the fourth quarter. He had told Rule that if Nebraska used the belly option run, it had to install that belly option pass. First time I was called, 44-yard touchdown. Good move, Rule. Good move. And I shared that slide for one reason, uh, namely that there are some people I've heard out there who produce content say something to the effect of Tom Osborne needs to be needs to like die so that he quits screwing with Nebraska's football program. So uh just want to throw that out there. That's why I included that slide. So, yes, it's in, it's definitely my own bias. And no, Mitch Sherman, you're not getting any damn jerky because you didn't put hashtag three tweeted or tag me in your tweet. So be better, Mitch. <laughs> be better. <laughs> and that was a great discussion, by the way. I appreciate your perspective, Scott. I may disagree with it, but I appreciate your perspective. Um, 
next live stream. Looks like we're getting down to the end, boys. Getting down to the end. I know you need to go, Dustin. So uh, next we live stream is the quick. 29th, 2023, October 29th, 3 p.m., 3.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll be back at 3.30. Watch it live right here on YouTube or on our Facebook page or on Twitter if you don't want to intera- interact with us live. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully, we will be talking about a <laughs> a win. That would be nice. And hopefully, Harburg holds on to the football a little bit better. I need to take a second here and show, show the, the results. results of the poll. There they are. 50% of the folks, 50.4%, as a matter of fact, say that Heinrich Harburg will be the one to score our first touchdown. Um, I'm not sure if any of those four guys will do it. I wonder if it isn't going to be a pick six or something, but... So I'm just don't have a whole lot of confidence in Marcus Satterfield's game planning at this point. So, um, but there you go. Very well. <laughs> that is it. That covers us for the week. We are done. Whew. So Dustin, where can folks find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at shooty Dustin, or I'm a writer at on three. So on three.com. On three.com. Awesome. Awesome. Emerged with Outsider, right? Is that what happened? Yeah. 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 Basically, those two companies merged. Yeah. And if you look really close at the next Big Ten Media Days, he's going to be the guy that's asking about the peanut butter burger or the exactly uh, crazy cocktail sauce. At, <laughs> unless you know, it's absolutely. or whatever it is this year. But anyway, <laughs> Scott, where can folks find you? Yes, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott Genred Pod. That's Scott with two T's. Second T is silent. I was a little bit more active over this weekend, so maybe maybe the tide is starting to turn. So give me a follow, and maybe you'll see some things that you like or don't. Alrighty, and you can follow the show at Genred Pod on all the socials: Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Generation Red is where you is the search term you use to find us for our audio podcast, which the audio for this show will drop tomorrow morning. Um, genredpod at gmail.com is our email address and genredpod.com is our website for all things social all things podcast listen to all our past shows watch all our past streams we'd appreciate it he's scott i'm ken and for just dustin shooty we thank you so much for watching and we are here to chronicle the eventual return to greatness by the nebraska huskers because there is no place like nebraska and I was corn sucks gangrene toes. <laughs> Alrighty. Go big red, beat Purdue. Go big red. <laughs> <laughs>